Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, y'all. Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all so much. Good morning, everybody. All right, Cowboys, San Francisco, where are we going today? That's kind of how I feel, too. Man, oh, what, a, what a great, great morning to see all of these folks who've made their commitments to Christ and have also just said, some, some folks have been born again a long, long time that just said, hey, God, can we just start all over? And uh, you need to know that it's okay with God, because, listen, I've been saved a thousand years, maybe longer. I've been, I, I knew Elijah, so I've been saved as long as I can remember. But, but when you've been born again, saved a long time, some of you are here are wondering, what do, what do I mean saved and born again? We're going to talk a little bit about that, but... I want to, so if you're asking that question, come next week. Okay, come next week. That's all I can say because I got to preach today's message. But uh, those of you that have lived for, for the Lord a long time, you know there are, there are ebb and flows. There's drifting sometimes that happens. And it's just life. It's not anything to beat yourself up for and be all ashamed. It's just, man, life is tough, man. We, we aren't in heaven yet. We're down here butting heads with this earth. And uh, it's nasty, and, and it's tempting, and there's all kinds of things. And we have our drifts. And one of the things that we invited folks to on this particular baptism is to say, you know what, if, if you've been in a drift, and, you know, you know Pastor Randy can drift. I, I, you seem shocked. Listen, Pastor Randy can drift. I could tell you some things because I know me. Uh, it's just part of it. So to be able to come back to God, it's just fantastic. Uh, and, uh, so, and so appreciate uh, seeing my precious wife. Baptize. Uh, uh, that, that, that was just so, so neat as well, watching her baptize folks as well. Gang, we are in a series, and it's how we start the crossings, how we start our, our, our year every year. It's called 37 Days. 37 Days, we take the first tenth of our year and dedicate that to the Lord. And we believe in that principle. We believe you bring your first and your best to God. He blesses the rest. And uh, 90% blessed will go way further than 100% of you dealing with it, you, you stewarding it. So we trust the blessing and the favor of God. And we trust that he keeps his word, that when we do that, he opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessing and favor and those things upon us. We are especially in need of direction from the Lord in the hour that we're in right now. How many of you understand it's a different hour? This isn't church as usual. Back uh, last year, the Lord gave me a word, and uh, it was, and I can't remember what the occasion was, but I was looking at the different DEFCONs, the different defense readinesses of our nation. And uh, for a long time, we were at DEFCON 5, which means peacetime. And when 9-11 happened, it was on the occasion of 9-11. That's when I preached that message. When 9-11 happened, uh, we, we, we were brought to DEFCON 3, which means planes can go in the air in 15 minutes. We are ready. For, we can be ready to fight in 15 minutes. And what I believe the Lord showed me is the church here in America, we have been in DEFCON 5. We've been in peacetime church. This is when you can kind of pick your church by whether your pastor wears skinny jeans or torn jeans, and if you like the music, and if you like the coffee, and all that stuff, and that's wonderful. It's great that we've had church like that, and church is very entertaining, and it's, 
Uh, but, but when we go to DEFCON 3, when we go to wartime, and we sense what's happening here in, in our nation, in our world, actually, over these last two or three years, something shifted. And it is no longer peacetime church. And I wish I could say, hey, I got great news for you. It's all going back. It's all going back, back like the good old days. It is not. It's never going back there. But here's the good news. God knew that you and I would be here today. And if you're here today and you're not a part of the church, I don't mean this church. I mean, you've not ever, you're not even getting any of this. Uh, I want you to know God's brought you here today so that you could receive salvation and you can be a part of the church because I can promise you the only thing that's going to be floating through this, again, you know, the old, the old preachers would say the church is a lot like the ark, Noah's ark. It don't always smell so good, but it was the only thing floating. And when we go, when we all go through this, you know what I'm saying. Those of you who have been in church a little while, you want to get, you want to get hurt, you can get hurt in church. Nothing but people here. Uh, if you're new to the Crossing Church and you're going, I left the, the last church because I got hurt there, you're going to get hurt here. Uh, that's just church, and uh, that's just people. I don't mean it to mean. I'm just saying we're all working this out. But uh, while we're doing it, you need to be a part of a local church. And the Scripture says, even as you see the day approaching, all the more, encourage one another. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And those of you watching online, I don't mean that to shame in any way. If you can get a part, if you can be a part of a local assembly uh, in person, it, it'll just help. We're going to need to be together. We're going to need to walk together through these years coming. It, it isn't getting any easier. This, uh, this time of, of prayer is critical for us. Let me, let me read you the scripture, and this is very familiar to many of you. This is when uh, God spoke to Solomon, and he said to, to Solomon, Solomon, if and when y'all drift... If and when you guys drift, and y'all will. He was speaking to Solomon after the temple was dedicated. And he said, if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, if I shut that source off, or if I send locusts to devour your plants and all of your, your vegetation, that, and I shut that source off, or if I've seen plagues, send plagues, which is sickness and disease, and cause you to become aware of just how dependent you are on me, if I do that, and if my people... Not the world, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not the media, the church, the church. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, the first two weeks, we've gone through our prayer journals, and it's been to pray, humble ourselves and pray, and seek his face. Those have been the topics we've covered. The next thing he says is kind of a biggie, and this is a make-or-break week. This is a make-or-break week, because he says next and turn from their wicked ways. Now, can a, can a people of God have a wicked way? Yes. Apparently. Yes. Apparently. And uh, I want you to know, Pastor Randy's on the hunt, and this is, this is what I want to invite you to. He says this, if you'll turn from your wicked way, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, my people's sin, and I'll heal their land. Now, gang, that's the deal on the table, and we are in a time when we can't really just kind of play like church or perform church. This has, to, this has to be real. This has to be real. And we, the people of God, and I, and, and I don't know if, how, how you're doing participating. I hope you're participating by praying each morning. But don't anybody in here assume, oh, the church is praying, but you're not praying. The biggest lie we tell in the church is I'm praying for you. You need to actually pray. Because that's the deal on the table. This isn't a play like, go along, oh, that's what we do in church. No, 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 no. 
This is who we are. We're the kingdom, and we're the only hope this nation has. And we need each other. And he, he will heal our land. So this week, turn from our wicked ways. That's going to be the theme. And as you go through your book, I want you to be ruthlessly self-candid. And by the way, the word repent, it's not a bad word. It's a good word. I always, when I grew up, the preaching would always be repent. And it sounded like the preacher was mad at me. And I'd already done something wrong. It's like your mother grabbing you by the ears. Like you already know you're in trouble. There's something wrong with you. The word repent's a great word. It's metanoia. It means to change your mind. And it's what any good father would say to any of his children when he's saying, look, you're going the wrong way. You know, when you're about to run out in the road and your dad said, hey, stop right there. What is wrong with you? Uh, Now, it sounded like he was mad, and he probably was, but he was stopping you from going one direction so you could turn and go another direction. And the day we live in, you need to hear, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the message of the kingdom is repent. This sounds like old-fashioned preaching, like, hey, pastor, why don't you tell us, you know, five great things about how wonderful we are and how God's just giddy about us. And I'll get to a message like that at some point. But today, the, the hour we're in, we, we've got to, you got to stop, we need to stop, take a good look at ourselves. And so this week, we're going to be looking at the message, turn from your wicked ways. Now, this could have been fun for me to preach. And I could have had all y'all saying amen because I could have named all the nasty sins. And as long as I didn't hit yours, you'd be all, you'd be all happy and, and be going, amen, yeah, get him, Pastor Randy. And then I'd get down into your business and you'd be going, well, hey, well, wait a minute now. What about grace? What about grace? And uh, so, and I'm all about grace and God forgives. But uh, I, I felt just very checked, a bit checked on that. And uh, I've been wrestling with this message. So last night... Uh, I am uh, just crawling out of my skin, honestly, going, Lord, what do you want to do tomorrow? I, I didn't start studying this morning, by the way. I've been working on this all week. It's just me and the Lord have been going back and forth, and I've been going, Lord, people don't like to hear turn from your wicked ways. Not in 2022. 1970, when I grew up, that's all we heard. But today, people want to know how wonderful they are and how God just can't stand how cute they are and all that. That's just, how am I going to land this message? And, uh, and I'm, watching, I'm watching Christian television. At this point, I'm desperate. You know, <laughs> I'll take a message from Google. And uh, no, there's some, there's some great preaching. But I, but I hit channel number one, and there's a brilliant brother, older man, and he's, he's, he's running a program from about 20 years ago. It's a 20-year rerun about how to pray technically accurate out of the book of Colossians. Beautifully done theologically, but I was going, what in the world? I turn to the next one, and it's a young, hip, cool, current guy dressed all cool and, and preaching more common sermons, more today sermons, which, which you know, have to do with your passion and your, and your vision and, uh, you know, uh, destiny. Those are the big unpack, you know, all the, the, the word, and I'm, and I'm for all of those things. Those are all wonderful things. But I'm listening to all that and thinking, why is this frustrating me? I click to the next guy, and he's talking about how his church will never bow to the mandates. I'm going, man, we are burning TV time. I mean, you want to hear about mandates? Go watch Fox News and CNN and all of that. We're burning TV time. And, and I turned the TV off and, and literally out of genuine, said, Lord, and that, nothing wrong with those brothers, by the way. Nothing wrong with any of them. They're doing a great job. It doesn't seem to fit the hour we're in, though. And I turned the TV off and loudly said, Lord, where are you? God, where are you? 
Man, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. We're at, at each other's throats. Every place I look on television, all I hear is stinking politics. There's only seems to be two views, a Republican or a Democratic view. There's another view. There's a God view, and it's actually the one that can save everybody. Everybody's obsessed with these two views. God, where are you? And man, this, and here's how you know you're hearing God. And this is, if you, when I say I hear the Lord's voice, here's what I mean. A thought appears that otherwise wasn't there. I wasn't hunting for it. I was seeking God. And I remembered something from history. And so I went and, and I Googled it. And the, the thought was this. In fact, let me tell you the story. December 7, uh, 1941. December 7, 1941. 7.02 in the morning. It's Pearl Harbor Day, if you don't know. 7.02 in the morning, there was a private McDonald and a private Lockhart, both watching radar in two different places on Oahu. America was at peacetime. They weren't in wartime mode. They were at peacetime. Pearl Harbor, uh, our training base is there. They were going through what they normally, they were eating breakfast and going through their emotions and, you know, playing like we could go to war. But when you're not in war, you know, when you're not, when it's not game day, something snaps on game day. Well, these two privates, they're watching their radar and both of them see 180 planes coming in from the north. They saw the attack coming. They, uh, they talk to a lieutenant. They report to their commander, a lieutenant. can't remember his name, but a lieutenant. And here's what the lieutenant said. Oh, don't worry about it. That's probably B-17 American bombers coming into to, um, uh, Pearl Harbor. Lockhart called back and said, sir, we have seen 180 planes coming in low on radar, they're 150 miles out, closing quickly. Sir, what is your directive? And his second time he said, Private, don't worry about it. We're not at war. That was 702. At 755, the planes, the Japanese, the Imperial Japanese Navy unloaded on Pearl Harbor, killing 2,400 of our men and women sunk or damaged 18 ships in one of the most devastating attacks on the United States ever. And here's the thing. They looked at it, they saw it, but because of the time they were in, they didn't interpret it correctly. Track with me a little here. They saw what was going on, but they thought, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you what was getting me last night, and it has nothing to do with these brothers. It's how God's wired me. I'm nothing special. I'm plain old flesh and blood. I, I, I fight the devil just like you. I fight temptation just like you. I'm just saying a part of my calling is a prophetic edge. And when I feel the clock ticking, at 7.02, they saw it. Every minute after that was precious, and 7.55 was coming. We are there. We, it isn't peacetime. We, humanity, 702 has come. We're seeing things, and we're so numb to it, we want to tell each other, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. I'm so sorry. So sorry to spoil it. 
it's not gonna be okay. The Bible prophesies, not Pastor Randy. The Bible prophesies. As the day of the return of Jesus comes closer, the birth pains, all of those things in Matthew 24 and 25, wars and rumors of wars, plagues, earthquakes, and here's the word, perplexities. What's a perplexity? It means that man has problems that man can't figure out. And we have reached the place where the, 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 the issues of the planet, financial, uh, political, on every front, we are demanding some politician or somebody figure this out for us because we're a bit spoiled and we want an answer now. Somebody figure out this virus. We're Americans. We ought to have an answer by now. Hey, here's the deal. We don't understand it yet. Every expert's on there just a little smarter than you and me, apparently. Oh, it dipped and dodged again. But here's the deal. The part of the issue with all the anger is our spoiledness that we think somebody ought to know. A perplexity is when you and I as human beings bump into something and realize there's something bigger than us. And if we don't get back in contact with the one who isn't perplexed by all of this, and if we keep demanding from our, you know, we need to elect our way out of this. There is no electing our way out of the mess we're in. We're beyond any of that. Good church people, we need to hear this. Gang, what was going on in me last night? I'm watching good preaching on good things, and they, they're good men. I, I, my role, though, I, I'm a radar guy. I'm a radar guy to say, the planes are coming in, and it's not okay. And the clock's on us, and the, and the, the birth pains, as the scriptures is, they're gonna get closer and closer together, according to the Bible, not some prophet. And I'm, I'm, I believe in prophecy, but I'm talking the Bible prophesies. These things are going to get closer together, and the church of Jesus Christ is going to actually have some fall away, but the, the remnant is going to get stronger. We're up for this, and that's what I want you to hear. We are up for the hour we end, but we are in an hour. So please hear me. So I, I want to help you as we get into this week to deal with some things. And I, more than anything, I just wanna ask you this morning, are you seeing it? Are you seeing the things around you? And, uh, and, and just be honest with yourself. It, because it was, there's a numbness about us, an indifference, and that's that don't worry about it thing. And I, I, I feel like I need to get at that somehow. I feel like that's the assignment on our morning is to be sure that's not li- li- that we're just not indifferent and hoping somebody else prays our way out of this. It's a different day. And, and also, let me just preach this. I got so much going on in my mind. All right. Uh, Ezekiel 33, 1, I want to read that to you first. And just to help you, those of you that are a part of the Crossing Church, and if you're not, I want you to be a part of the Crossing Church, but be in a local church. But uh, one of the reasons that I, I have the, the tensions inside of me is, is what God called me to and back when I was in college, a guy pointed me out, and I was in a little trailer in a little Bible study, and some guy I've never seen before came and said, you, young man, what's your name, Randy Harvey? And uh, he said, you're appointed by God to be a watchman on the wall. And I didn't know what that meant, and, uh, and don't, don't be impressed by it. I mean, everybody's got assignments and things that God's called you to. But over the years, I have recognized that that is a part of my calling. It's a prophetic calling, 
And Ezekiel 33 describes it. It says, once again, a message came to me from the Lord. This is Ezekiel the prophet. Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. Everybody say watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it's their fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it. So the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could, have been, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. I say that to you just so that you'll get a feel for, Pastor, why do you preach right now the way you're preaching? It is this tension that I'm resting under, and I'm humbled by it, and it's, it's a fearful thing. It's not an honorable thing. Nothing to go, hey, it's not that. It's a responsibility. That's, it's, it's, uh, it keeps me awake at night. And I say that to you because last week I, I confessed to you one of the idols of my life that had to be put away, and that is the fear of man. The fear of man, and it's throughout all churches right now. There's a hesitancy to say what God is saying, to, con to prophetically confront. As long as I'm saying what you like, everybody say, amen, hallelujah, love that. Oh, buy him lunch. But, but when the prophetic voice steps up to say, stop what you're doing and turn around, repent. Look at your life. Let the Holy Spirit convict you of your sin. We're going the wrong way. And some of the things I may or may not say, depending on where I'm at, the rest of these 15 or 20 minutes, uh, you'll get a feel for this. But here's been my commitment to the Lord. Lord, I'm, not, I'm gonna be responsible for what I do and don't do. How it lands, I'm gonna do my very best. And trust me, it's gonna be in love. But anytime we, listen, you need to crave, Lord, correct me. Lord, if I'm going the wrong direction, please love me enough and say it however you need to say it. Man, my dad was Warden L.D. Harvey. He never gave me a direction in my life that didn't sound like he was going to pop me on my head. Now, it scared me, but I stopped and listened when he spoke. Hey, boy, what is wrong with you? Well, he was doing it as rough as it sounded. He did it out of love. And when Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent, it probably sounded pretty stern, but man, it got people's attention. Whoa, we're going the wrong way. Be okay for the Holy Spirit to come and say, hey, you are going the wrong way. You stop that and turn around. You say, yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. All right, so here's the first thing. So we're going to be looking for idols in our own lives as we come before the Lord. What's evil in us? And uh, the first thing is just this, that denial, denial keeps us from preparation. The hour we're in right now, don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, man, everybody's committing all kinds. There's all kinds of sin running through the church. There's grace. Don't worry about it. I'm a grace guy. I am a grace guy. Grace doesn't give you permission to keep going. Grace, listen, it was for freedom that Jesus set you free. We all battle sin. We all trip and fall and stumble. But gang, don't quit the fight in the name of grace. It's okay, it's okay. Don't do that. No, 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 no. We're struggling to get our witness back from all the nuttiness we've gone through in the last two or three years already. Ministers falling. I say this with great compassion. And again, Lord, please protect me. Please protect me. But with 
with that comes our, our witness to the lost world that we're actually called to. We're struggling to, to get our credibility and our authority to be able to speak and do the job we're called to do. So we can't just say grace just means you just get to do whatever you want to do. It's not, the, it's not okay. It's not okay. Don't worry about it. Matthew 24, denial again keeps us from preparing. Matthew 24 says this, when the Son of Man returns, Jesus, it will be like in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time of Noah when he entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. Let me say it again. They didn't realize what was going to happen. They saw the planes on the radar and said, it's okay. Don't worry about it. They didn't realize. Till the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. And all's, the only point I want to make of this, and I could go on to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, Jesus continues talking about the days we're living in. Pastor, what are you talking about? But let me just clarify. We are in the last days. When is Jesus coming back? Uh, next Tuesday or some, someday thereafter? I don't know. And this message isn't, uh, let's hold on until Jesus comes. This message is, because Jesus is coming, he said uh, uh, there would be a, something happening in the world, and the church has responsibility. So this isn't a, hey, let's hang on till he comes. He's coming. But let's be the church we need to be wh while we're going through the things he, he said we're going to go through. That's my point. And denying that they're there. When he, when he talked about in Matthew 25, he gave a, a parable, and he said there's going to be ten virgins. Uh, waiting on the, the, the return of uh, the, the groomsman. Five wise and five foolish, all 10 of them go to sleep. But five of them had prepared. Everybody say prepare. prepare. And five, five of them said, don't worry about it. And when Jesus came back, and this was the picture of the parable, when he came back, five of them weren't prepared. Five of them thought they, and let me say it in plain language, of the 10, five of them thought they were saved and ready for the return of Jesus but they weren't prepared, and five were. Question, are you prepared? Here he's talking about the return, and he's asking, are you prepared? And he's saying this, uh, this banquet during the days of Noah, there's going to be in the culture this sense of, man, we got, everything's fine. Marry, uh, have parties, have weddings, and that means plan for your future. The future's bright, it's gonna be great. That is going to be on the church. We're gonna be tempted to think, it's just all going to be okay. And this is gloom and doom. I'm going to get to some good news here in a minute. But the question is, are you seeing it? That's really what I want to Do you see with spiritual eyes? Things have changed. This is wartime. I don't like it either, by the way. I, I like peacetime. I like this church, and let's just get in here and have a party, and let's feel good, and let's talk about our self-esteem. Hallelujah. Those days are over. Now we're being called up to war. It's a different mindset. And, but here's the good news. You're up for it. Don't you back away. Don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid. The scripture says when these things start to happen, you look up. Your redemption is drawing near. Pick your head up. We need you in the ball game, by the way. You strap that helmet on and get out there and hit somebody. We need you. Football talk again, sorry. Anyway, he's just talking about this. That denial, saying it's going to be okay, that, that, that does nothing for us. And if you're here this morning and you're wanting to hear desperately, hey, it's going to be okay. The way you want it to, what you want that to mean, I can't say that to you. It is going to be okay. 
because our king does overcome. But we as the church, we've got to retool a little bit, all right? That's all I want to say. Second point is this. Do you see the American idols? Do you see it? Do you see it? Now, why am I saying this? Saying this because we're praying for revival. In revival, I'm not talking about multi-nights of services and doing backflips and, uh, you know, uh, catching on fire and all, and hallelujah if any of that happens. I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit comes genuinely and is just being himself. He convicts of sin. He convinces of righteousness. The result is this in church life. People that, that are sleepy Christians come back on fire, and that's what I'm praying for myself. Lord, refuel and refire me. People that think they're saved but are not are convicted and actually get saved in church. Pastor, you think that's happening in our church? I know it is. I know it is. Jesus said the wheat and the tare, they grow up together. Don't you try to figure that out. I'll separate all that when it comes. But the beauty of the day we're in, you can get saved. People that are not saved get to be saved in revival. The two things that happen are holiness and harvest. When the Holy Spirit just comes in and it's not, he's, he's not doing something extraordinary. He's just being himself. He's being his ordinary self, and we're hosting him. That's revival. I say this because, and I keep asking the question, do you see what's going on around? Do you recognize that those planes that are coming, do you realize we're in a spiritual war and that Jesus is coming soon and we've got to think differently? Do you feel it? Do you see it? Because if not, that means there's a numbness there. And Jesus said this, the, one of the possibilities is this, is that you're not born again. I say this in, in, uh, in, uh, in, to help you. Jesus said this uh, to Nicodemus in John chapter three. Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom or the kingdom perspective. You can't see it unless you be born again. No new birth, no, no, no salvation. Sometimes the reason we can't see and understand what's going on in, spiritually we're not born again of the spirit. We don't have spiritual eyes. So that's why I pressed this point this morning. Do you see the American idols? I'll read you some of them, and I got a long list. Uh, one of the American idols, sexual seduction. Sensual, sexual seduction. It, have we lost our ability to be a Paul that everybody sixth, seventh, and eighth grader, every four, five, and six-year-old that can get on a phone can see things that our grandparents never, ever even dreamed of seeing. I, you know, I grew up in the 70s. Uh, when, I, when I, so how many of you are, I mean, I don't want to give away your ages here. Yeah. But I grew up in the 70s, and, uh, and I still prefer the music, just if anybody's wondering. But uh, I'm telling you. Grew up in the 70s, and I'm telling you, when I Dream a Genie came on and she showed her belly button, man, the church acted like they were going to go burn the White House down. It's like, oh, my God, oh, oh, oh. Oh, for belly buttons. Oh, that our issue was belly buttons. The pornography that, and, and gang, and I'm going to get, I'll get to another one of them, but there's such an attack on men. Men, hear, hear me. Don't you be shamed. Don't duck your head when I start talking right now. This, this just free fall of pornography, and it affects women as well, but it's come to cause, to trap men. It's coming after us. This satanic attack is trying to take male leadership and diminish men, and it's been working a long, long time. And pornography 
gets, gets in our minds. It, it becomes a hook to us. And I'm telling you, I can... I could just about shock young men when I walk up to counters and I look at them and they're not looking me in the face. I go to the gym, and this sounds so judgmental. I don't mean it judgmental. I mean it compassionately. I can see on the face of a young man when he, his, his eyes are cold and he's looking at the world and every girl that comes by, I can, I can tell that he's, he's in a wrestling match because he's sizing everything up by this demonic stronghold that has, that has gotten in his mind and reshaped his brain. I, don't, I can't explain it well. I'm just telling you, as a man, I'm around men. And I'm not saying this to shame anybody. I'm saying Jesus can set us free, guys. But this, this, there ought to be some shock in us that we can, on anybody's phone in here, same phone that has your Bible on it, has websites that you can get to and see the most... Uh, any sex you want, any kind of sex. In the 70s, growing up, just to, just to show you that there's been a shift and to say, can you see it? Uh, and, and I have tremendous compassion for anybody struggling with same-sex attraction at all. The church didn't handle homosexuality well in the 70s. We shamed it. And uh, instead of trying to reach out and help, we said, there's something uniquely wrong with you. Now, that was wrong. However, Sexual sin back then was kept in a closet. It was called being in the closet. And the church, and it was because the general morals of America at that time were Christian-based. You could talk about Christian and faith things, and that wasn't shunned. Today, it's just the opposite. If you're having sex with anything, anybody, any direction, you want to change your sex, be two sexes, be eight sexes, any weird thing you can come up with. If, if somebody steps up and says, can I just ask you a question? Uh, I, I, I made a, I'll, I'll stay out of it because I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I'm an old school guy. There's things that I hear and I go, I don't get it. But nonetheless, that's a perplexity. Now, any sexual uh, perversity that you want to participate in, that's protected out in public. And if you say something about it as a Christian, you're supposed to go in the closet. We have shifted because the kingdom of darkness is now driving the conversation. And that's why when I get up here even to talk, I hesitate and bump the brakes once in a while because I'm thinking, well, Facebook's going to kick me right off. If I go forward with this, please hear me. If you're in this room dealing with any kind of same-sex attraction whatsoever, I do not shame you. Man, I've got tremendous compassion for you. It's no different than any lust that I might have. It's not different. It's just sin. Nonetheless, I can't but say and pray for and try to help you. See, this, this is not how God designed it. It's not shaming. I don't condemn, but I can't condone. And that's with any sin in any of our lives, in any of our lives, gang. I'm wanting you to hear. Do y'all see it? Do y'all see that we're in a, just a, a devastating? I just want to know you saw it. You see it. The radical feminist movement. Hang on, ladies. Hang on. <laughs> hear me out. I am for raising women to, with, with all the honor and more that, that, that you're worthy of. For equal pay, for equal time, all of that. That's a wonderful thing. That actually is a noble statement, you know, that we honor women. I'm for that, and I honor women. But what that has masked over the last 50 years is actually an attack on masculinity. It's attacked men. Man, guys, 
man, our ladies lead strong in church. And, and it's not about ladies getting lower. Ladies keep leading higher. But men, we've been talked out of our masculinity. If a man acts like a leader and a father and a disciplinarian, it's called toxic masculinity or something. I, I know there's abusive guys and stuff. You know, somebody needs to pull that rein in. But honestly, there's a lot of us men are wondering, is it okay for me to be me? Is it okay for me to be like this? There's some kind of a shaming thing that's come to, to, to steal masculinity and male leadership. It's an idol in our nation. It's celebrated like we're supposed to back off, fellas. Not in arrogance, stand up, but in righteousness, stand up, lead. In the kingdom, it's not so. In the kingdom, the orders of God, they're not bad, they're good. There's, there, and this isn't putting women down. Please, I know I'm going to get pounded. Ladies, please know. I'm all about, get out there. Look, we had them baptizing, pre, do everything. My issue is men are backing up and cowering down. We need everybody on the field. We need everybody doing their thing. Men, do you see it? That thing that causes you to question, am I okay? Can I be strong? Can I get out there and kill a deer and gut it and talk about it? I mean, yes. You're masculine. These things have come against this militant baby killing political parties. Oh, Jesus, help me. Let me move just, I'm going to just bump it. I'm just going to bump it. The idol of political party worship and political candidate worship. Buddy, I could, I could sure go somewhere here. Let me just, let me go there. Let me go there. So hear me. Uh, you hadn't heard what I got to say yet. So let me tell you from a, from a kingdom perspective. Now, hear, hear this. I don't take my cues from the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. I don't, I don't want to cuss here, but I don't, I, don't, I don't take my cues, and you don't either. And if you are, this is a good week to go, you know what? I'm going to stop all that. I'm a kingdom man. I've got a king. And I, I'm going to look at things, and here's what the Bible says. Before you do anything, seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first. So, y'all are amen and now. Stay with me. Now that we're not in an election season, okay? I know we got midterms coming up, but we don't have a presidential election. I do need to speak to the church. Let me speak to you. Something became idolatrous under the Trump administration. Did. Okay, I know. I can see y'all look at me like, uh, I don't go there. That's my hero. He shouldn't be. Okay, he shouldn't be. He's a man. You know, I voted for him. My vote doesn't, doesn't mean worship, though. My vote for any man doesn't mean he's okay. No, there was policies there that I thought he would, he would do better. Gang, we only get two choices. And the choices we've had lately, that ought to be what brings us to church to go, dear God, is there a voice? No, seriously, dear God. But hear me, something, something got exposed in the church. Not, not big. I don't know if it was a loud minority or if the poison's worse than I thought. But the desperation for a hero, regardless of his character, that, and when, when Trump was not reelected, 
the, the mourning over him not being reelected and the morning that I prayed for the salvation and prayed for the new president and our security has to keep somebody from wanting to fist fight me, that ought to tell you that the poison that got into the church because of politics, that was ungodly. This is not pro or against Trump, pro Biden. My kingdom is neither one of those. I got a king and I've got a kingdom and I seek the kingdom first. And regardless of who's president, I don't check poll numbers. I check the Bible to say if they're right, President Trump at times, church, I know y'all are thinking, where is he going with this? Let's just talk about it. And if you're not here next week, I'll understand, you know, and I'll send you a hat. So (laughs) terrible. Here, listen to me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hear me out. There were some times during that presidency where I think the church brought the very best that could be brought out of Donald Trump. Okay, there were some times. The embassy to Jerusalem, good move. Uh, Supreme Court justices that are pro-life, that was a good move, in my opinion. The Abram Accords. But man, at the end, he brought the very worst out of the church. We are better than that. The anger that was in his spirit fueled this nation, and this nation went to war with itself. Not blaming him only. I'm just saying, we have got to be smart and not be so dang desperate to have a human representative and put our hope and faith in there because we're so insecure that our God can't do the job. Again, here's the way the Bible looked at it. God anointed a king, King Saul. That was his choice, but God didn't go, well, now that I've voted for him, whatever he wants to do. No, when he was wrong, the prophet came to him and said, hey, boy, you have come against God, and you better humble yourself. And Saul did not, so God said, later. And God came again and anointed another guy. These are God's choices. I believe 26, I think God put him in there. Well, hallelujah, here's the deal. God's choices are held accountable, not to the party, and not to a bunch of whimpering Ah, I better stop. But (laughs) our identity is not wrapped up in whoever we vote for. Man, my identity is I've got a king. Now, gang, here's the deal. If your confidence went so strong that he was the hero for the Christian people, dear God, here's what I would say. Here's here's what the scripture says about the last days. I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah to call the sons back to the fathers, the fathers to the sons, and if you will, the church back to correction. I'm going to send that spirit. And he came in, in Elijah, and he came in John the Baptist. That spirit is alive and well right now. And what Elijah did, that spirit, that sound, you hear a little of it right now. But you, as a believer, ought to have that spirit in you that says, wait a minute. Let's put this thing to the test. We don't just bow down to everything. Let's put it to the test. If you're God's God, well, then let's see if he can call down fire. That's what Elijah did. Let all the Democratic lovers of, de- of, of, of being Democrat and President Joe Biden, go build you an altar. President Trump, you and all the Republicans, Republican, that's, that's the hope for the nation. You go build an altar. And let the people of God build an altar. And let's see what God answers by fire. Let's see where the hope of this nation really is. I ask you, Be genuine with yourself. I know the emails I'm going to get blasted with. That's fine. I've read them before. Uh, But I'm fired up 
Because if we, if we do that again, man, if you, we, we can't afford to lay down like that again. We hold our ground. The prophet says, look, when you get it right, we're going to tell you. But we hold you accountable. We're not going to worship you. And we're going to call it like it is. Balls and strikes. Here's how you know you're over, you've made an idol of your politics. If you can't say when they're right and when they're wrong. If you just throw your body over everything and find some scripture to find some way. Look, I hope the man gets saved. I hope all of our, our leaders get saved. If you can't pray for the present president. The Bible says, pray for those in authority over you so it'll go well for you. If you can't pray for him, that means you've gotten obsessed and you've made an idol of your political bent. Now, I am politically active. I throw stuff at TV. If I could wring politicians' neck on many occasions, I'd be in jail. But I'm not confused about who I worship, who God is, and what the hope of this nation is. I'm not confused, and you shouldn't be either. All right, let me move on here. I've got plenty of enemies now, so... I'll be reading emails now. Emails all week. Materialism, entertainment. Gang, let me bring it down to this. We're needing revival. That's just bottom line. Our nation needs revival. You can't, we can't elect our way out of this. The church, the church needs the Holy Spirit back, and it needs a bunch of us just to say, God, we, we've made a mess of this thing. We've got pieces to pick up. A.W. Tozer said this about the church, and this I'm talking about the idols of the church now. A.W. Tozer said this, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would still go on and no one would ever know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they were doing would have stopped and everyone would have known it. You feel that? Church... The way we've done church has accomplished what it's going to do, and it's no match for the day we're in. It's getting close to 7.55. 702 is past. We're going to be put to the test of our life, and if, it, if we don't have the real deal, you'll go chasing a political hero or trying to find something else. The scripture says those who endure to the end, they'll be saved. And that's why we go to a week like this to say, God, anything I've put my faith and trust in above you, you t- and I can hear it, God, I am teachable. Tell me so that I can make more room for you and get my confidence back in my God and not be chasing some human hero. We need the Holy Spirit to come, and all of us are in desperate need of a fresh baptism of his spirit. Uh, I'll bring the plane down. Let me just bring the plane down. Uh, I'm leaving a lot on the table here. Lord, help us. As we enter this week, uh, all the obvious sins will come. You, you, you know, we, nobody needs to tell you what, where the obvious sins are, and me neither, stuff my weaknesses. Ask the Holy Spirit for blind spots. Not blind spots. What, what am I missing? Because everyone who's born again can see, and if you'll ask for eyesight, you'll be able to see. I can challenge you even harder. Be humble. Be teachable. Not from me. From the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach me. Here's what God says about you being revived. Don't you know anything? In, in other, this is Isaiah 40. Haven't you been listening? In other words, can't you see? 
Can't you hear? That's why I'm going for that today. Spiritual eyes open, spiritual ears. God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. He knows what's going on this hour. He energizes. Everybody say energizes. Revives those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For every young people, uh, for even young people, tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord, God, get fresh strength. Is there anybody here that sees we need fresh strength? Our Pastor Randy needs fresh strength. I need fresh strength. Those will spread their wings and soar like eagles. They'll run and they don't get tired, walk and not lag behind. God Almighty has come into this hour right now and he's speaking to the church. And all I'm wanting, here's all we have to do is hear it and obey. I've got to know, can you hear it? Do you see it? If so, then, then just say, Lord, whatever needs to change in me, any evil way. Pastor, I can tell you what my neighbor's evil way is. Oh, I know you can. I wish so-and-so was here so they could hear this. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Gang, I can't tell you how urgent this is. We don't have to fake it. Stop acting like a Christian. Stop acting. That's just too much work. I'm tired of acting. There's a genuine. Man, people know genuine when they see it. And you can't put it on. It's one of the sins of the, it's one of our idols. We're performers. Everything, how does it look? How does it look? I'm all for excellence in the way things look. But we've become performers of something we're not genuinely anchored to. Doesn't have to live that way. It's too much work. The Holy Spirit's real. God is real. He's been waiting on us to recognize all of our sources have dried up. We've got one left, and it's him. And only the people of God have that opportunity to recognize it. Do you recognize it? We're there, guys. We're there. It's getting close to 755. Planes are coming in. Jesus is coming soon. And our, we've got work to do as a church to be ready to receive him and to get as many people on this boat as we possibly can. Would you stand to your feet? I like prayer teams to come to the front. Oh. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit of God, we have done what we can do in trying to perfect church technique, church services, church music, all for your glory. And we have expended ourselves to try to perform and with greatest intentions. Lord, we have been blind to our own pride. Deliver us. And Lord, we've catered so much to the culture, trying so desperately to relate to the culture that instead of us changing them, 
we the church have changed and look no different. And it happens slowly. And I know you're not mad at us, but we need help. We recognized everything we've built with our hands has dried up. It's done what it can do. Lord, I no longer want to be a part of church that I'm building and propping up. Idols have to be propped up. Your church doesn't. Everything in my life. Everything. Anything in my life, Lord, that is burning time and energy and hope that is not you. Please, Lord, I come on behalf of this church. Please show us we will turn from our wicked ways. We will turn. We want all of you. We want you to hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. And whatever that means, whatever correction, we, are, we come into this week to say, God, please correct me. Please. I am all ears. I am all ears. Let your spirit and your presence go with us. We enter this week. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just one more thing. I'd like us all to pray together. If you're here today and you're not ready to, for Jesus' return, you're not ready to meet Jesus, you're not saved. You've never given your life and said, I, of my own accord, give you, God, my life. And please hear me. This is not him making you a better you. This is him having you die to the life you've hoped and dreamed for right now so that he can raise you afresh and give you the life you were actually created for. Can't bypass that. It's a life for a life. He gave his life for you. You bring your life to him. As I say that, the light is coming on in somebody's heart. And you're saying, I'm all in. What do I have to do? That's the Holy Spirit writing you a holy invitation. I'm gonna ask everybody to repeat this prayer with me. And if you'll believe this prayer in your heart, today you'll be born again, saved, and brought into the family of God. Everyone praying after me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, and I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me. He bled for me, and he died for me to pay for my sin so that I could be saved today. I believe you raised him from the dead, and I receive, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Save me. Heal me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me, Lord. I am all yours. Praise God. Father, thank you, God, for those in this room that just gave their life to Christ with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer and gave your life to Christ, boldly would you lift your hand and say, man, I'm all in. Let me see your hands. Giving my life to Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down. Praise the Lord. Father, I bless this congregation and I bless the work you're doing here. For every single heart, Lord, I pray, God, every single heart, Lord, do 
your work, Lord God. And, and we're just, we're moldable. Shape this church and every church throughout these United States. Shape us, God, to be what is necessary for us to be in the hour we stand in. Lord, there are gifts and callings out here that have been put on hold. Lord, I pray that you would reawaken gifts and callings in men and women. Reawaken those things in Jesus' name. People that feel like I've sinned too much, I'm, I'm out of the game. You are not out of the game. Father, in the name of Jesus, no sin has been invented yet that's any match for the blood of Jesus. Let the two of those things tangle. The blood wins every time. The blood of Jesus over your life. Father, thank you, God, that you are reviving your church. And I speak that over myself and over this church and over your church. In Jesus' name. Father, last, I bless the finances, Lord. Our final act of worship is the bringing of our tithes, our offerings, and our giving. And I do ask, Lord God, you have blessed us, and you're the source. You're the source of our blessing. So, God, receive it as an act of worship as we give you our tithes and our offerings. Bless the financial life of every family in here. And, Lord, bless this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen, amen. Praise God. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand here this morning. Hallelujah. If you need prayer for anything under the sun, physical healing, something going on, stuff you didn't have language for, come up here. Let somebody lay hands on you. Let them pray for you. Everybody else, y'all have a great, great, great day. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.crossing.cc. The